My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Elio's original. Welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I, producer Maria. <laughs> cool. Melissa, uh, who are our new patrons? We've got Maggie. Yasmin, who I'm assuming is Yasmin Bleeth from Baywatch. Yes. Alexis, spelled A-L-E-X-Y-S-S. That's like new. it. Margot, as in Margot Roby, Sarah, uh, Claire, uh, Claire from The Bachelor, and Ron M. <laughs> Welcome to the team, guys. Melissa, what is our episode for today? Well, today, this episode was suggested by Mon Cherie in the Ooh. Discord. Also, my friend Ingrid, who is Canadian, also had suggested this uh, a while ago to me, and I had totally forgotten about it. Yeah, this is one of the most high-profile double murder cases in Canadian history. Yes, huge deal, apparently. And it happened in 2017. Yeah, really recently. It is. The billionaires, Barry and Honey Sherman, were found dead in their mansion hanging from belts tied to a railing in a semi-seated position on their indoor pool deck. Oh, God. And the police believe that it was money-related. So who killed these billionaires and why? Let's get Get into into it. it. Okay, so who was Barry Sherman? He was a Canadian businessman and a philanthropist who was chairman and CEO of Apotex, Inc., which is a Canadian pharmaceutical corporation founded in 1974 by Barry. And it's the largest producer of generic drugs in Canada. And so Barry had an estimated net worth of $3.2 billion at the time of his death, according to Forbes. And he was the 12th wealthiest Canadian, which is funny because my husband is the 13th wealthiest Canadian, Martin. Is that true? That's not true. No, it's not true. Honestly, that wouldn't surprise me, though. (laughs) I know. I was like, cool, Melissa. (laughs) No, it's it's not. Not even close. Uh, So Barry went to the University of Toronto, and then he got a PhD in astrophysics from MIT. So he was a bit of a nerd. Yeah. Fucking dork. 
Yeah, what nerd dork. <laughs> so Barry said his interest in business peaked when he was 10. One day, his father brought him to work at his zipper factory in what? downtown Toronto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he gave Sherman some zippers to count in box. And Barry wrote that uh, he wrote that his father was surprised at how well he did. He was filling, quote, more than would have been done in the same time by any of his paid staff. Sick burn. Oh, wow. He also recalled feeling insulated or <laughs> insulated. He also recalled feeling <laughs> insulted when his father counted them to like check up on his work. Oh, God. In 1967, after he got his PhD, Barry took over his late Uncle Lewis Winter's pharmaceutical company called Empire Laboratories. Hmm. His Uncle Lewis died suddenly of an aneurysm 17 days after his wife died of leukemia. Oh, God. So sad. They left behind four young children. Oh, no. So this Empire Labs estate allowed Barry to take over the company. This is like he graduated from college, took over this company. But he only he ran out of the condition that the four young winter children would be allowed to work for the company when they reached 21 because they were all under the age of seven, I think. Whoa. And these cousins had were supposed to have the option to buy 5% stakes in the company. So this would be like... So these kids would be set, you know, they they were, would have 5% yeah. of this like huge pharmaceutical company. They could work there if they wanted to. But the agreement would be voided if Barry sold Empire. Huh. So he had to keep Empire. But in 1972, Barry sold Empire. So the contract with the four cousins was voided. Oh, so the cousins shit. were like, what the fuck? I'd be pissed. Yeah. So they were not too happy about this. Because Empire was the largest pharmaceutical company at the time in Canada. Oh, my God. And so the cousins unsuccessfully sued Barry over the sale of, the em- of this empire. And Barry was also known for having a reputation of extreme combativeness, often including litigation. Like, he loved suing people. I feel like if I, like, if I could, I would love to sue people. You know how like people are like, so sue me. He'd be like, okay. Okay, I will. He would take it seriously. <laughs> like when my water <laughs> heater it. wasn't working, like I wanted to sue people. Like I would sue people left and right <laughs> if it wasn't a lot of trouble. That was yeah. such a 90s thing, suing people. It really is 90s, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fun. Like you need shoulder pads sue to you. sue someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm gonna you sue do. your ass. <laughs> Web crawlers will sue your ass. You need a sunburn and shoulder pads. Yeah, and like a convertible <laughs> to sue someone. <laughs> yeah, and like a glasses tan. Yeah, to sue someone. So in 1974, Barry started his own pharmaceutical company, Apotex or Apotex, and by 2016, Apotex employed over 10,000 people. It was one of Canada's largest drug manufacturers with over 260 products selling in over 115 countries. Whoa. And the revenues were about $1.5 billion annually. Aside from his pharmaceutical company, Barry also invested in a bunch of side businesses that all turned out to be fraudulent schemes or run by people who were eventually arrested for fraud. Uh-oh. It was weird that he was like consistently investing in these like weird, shady yeah things so people who knew barry said he was always too trusting in people and he rarely vetted people that he got into business with well that's not smart and one of the businesses he put money into was a yacht chartering company but it turned out to be a fraud that had never bought any yachts (laughs) Uh, excuse you that's that's your first problem if you're a yacht company and you don't buy any yachts. yeah (laughs) that's the problem And then for 15 years, Barry partnered with Frank D'Angelo, who was a fruit juice maker. Okay. He he sounds like he's in the mob. (laughs) And the two produced the Cheetah Power Surge Energy Drink, which I've never, must be, must be popular in Canada at the time. Surge? No, Surge? I remember Surge. Cheetah Power Surge. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear the Cheetah Power. The Cheetah Power Surge. That's the important part of that. And then when uh, Frank d'angelo's brands went bankrupt in 2007 barry lost a hundred million dollars but he continued backing d'angelo's next venture filmmaking even after d'angelo was arrested on sexual assault and obstruction of justice charges which were later dropped in 2009 well this guy needs to chill also this i googled the cheetah power surge drink and it looks insane 
<laughs> it does look like something you would drink because I know you like Red Bull. I mean, I would. I'm going to order a case, but it looks <laughs> Is it crazy. Still, no, it went bankrupt, right? Yeah, it doesn't look D'Angelo like it D'Angelo Brands went bankrupt in 2007. What? It says caffeine-free. That's surprising. It's an energy drink, though. Yeah, but they usually have caffeine in it. Weird. Wait, Red Bull has caffeine in it. For right. sure, yeah. Like, or is it just like sugar? And and like bull, bull no, testicles. Caffeine. You know, it has bull, bull what? testicles. What? No, it doesn't. In it. That's what taurine it does not, is. Allie. Yes, it does. That's, that's on Snopes. <laughs> <laughs> no, taurine. Taurine is bull testosterone. It's bull semen. Ew. Yes. Wait, Red Bull confirms on its website that Red Bull does contain taurine, but taurine is not made from bull's testicles. The taurine in Red Bull is not derived from animals. It's produced synthetically by pharmaceutical companies. They're trying to cover but up their tracks. Taurine occurs naturally in certain foods such as meat and fish. It's also an added ingredient in some energy drink. While it is true that taurine was originally isolated from bull semen, it is now produced synthetically. Allegedly. Interesting. <laughs> so just saying. Okay, sorry. Okay. Continue. So it's found in bull testicles. Yeah. But but the one in Red Bull is produced synthetic. Okay, glad we cleared that. So up. they say. <laughs> so they say. <laughs> uh, so this guy Frank D'Angelo Barry was like good friends with them, and Barry financed all eight films that Frank D'Angelo made through 2013. Oh my god! And if you look up his films, like Google Frank D'Angelo, it sounds like that guy who made um. God, what was his name? Uh, that really bad, The Room or Room or the whatever. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy, Tommy Wiseau. Wiseau. Yeah. But these movies are called like Sicilian Vampire, Real Gangsters, <laughs> oh my God. The Red Maple Leaf. Sicilian Vampire. A mobster takes a well-earned break at his family's <laughs> hunting lodge. But when he's given a superhuman powers by a bat bite, he feels compelled to start putting right everything he's ever done. Honestly, that sounds the amazing. The budget was $11.3 million. Yeah, Barry financed it. And like the films were like, the reviews aren't like this is dog shit like some of them are like eh, four or five stars you oh my know? god not terrible but like not great you can watch them for free oh go have at it okay wait a minute now some of these have like some big names in it yeah. like james con martin landau paul sorvino chris christopherson and mira sorvino are all in the red maple leaf he got so he because the budget okay. was so huge because barry was a billionaire he could just pay all these wow. actors to be in it this is bananas. The Red Maple Leaf has a five, mm. five stars out of ten. <sighs> Written and directed by Frank D'Angelo. I mean, this guy made eight movies. Like, good for him, you know? Jesus Christ. Good for him. Yeah. I'm watching the trailer for Red Maple Leaf right now. I just... <laughs> I bet it. I bet it's not bad. These kinds of movies freak me out. What is it? What is it about? No, not like the kind... Like, I mean the kind of movie where it's like low... But it's like low quality. Yeah. I don't... I that, that just it freaks me out it makes me think of like eating lunch on set i don't know yeah do you know what i mean it's it, it always makes me wonder how these like movies get made but it's always somebody's friends with some billionaire mm -hmm. who like doesn't know anything about movies like here y'all give you a bunch of money to do it it's just it's mind-blowing mind-blowing it's nuts so then in the late 2010s barry worked with another man who was later convicted of fraud, Sean Rutenberg. Oh, my God. So the two had been introduced by a mutual friend, Myron Gottlieb, who had met Rutenberg in prison following his conviction for fraud. <laughs> and Rutenberg persuaded Barry to invest in his online trivia game. And then later, Barry sued Rutenberg, alleging that he just pocketed the money. Yeah, no shit, Barry. Oh, my God. <laughs> When you're working with... So yeah, I met this guy in prison. We're both in here for fraud. Yeah. And we have this idea that you should invest money in. <laughs> and then, God, for an astrophysicist, Barry's He's not idiot. a smart dude. So then he met his wife, Honey, in 1971. Oh, boy. They had four kids. And Honey was the more outgoing one. She loved socializing, while Barry was considered a workaholic who kept to himself. So, like, when the family would go on vacation, he would often stay inside working or, like, doing business. And despite being rich as hell, Barry drove his cars until they died. 
Hmm. Like he didn't buy new cars. Hmm. His Ford Mustang was so decrepit, it was leaking carbon monoxide into the passenger compartment. So for his 50th birthday, Honey gave him a red sports car with a bow on it at his birthday party, but he asked her to take it back. Oh my God. So she did. (laughs) Can you just imagine how like uncomfortable that must have been? Like they had a birthday party and she's like, so awkward to the driveway, honey. And everyone's like, whoa. And he's like, take Take it back. back. (laughs) Take it back. I die. Sounds like a, sounds boring as hell. Yeah. Uh, But the Shermans were big philanthropists. They gave $50 million to the United Jewish Appeal and other Jewish charities. Hell yeah, sick. Despite Sherman himself (laughs) being an atheist. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, they provided funds to build a major addition to the geriatric Baycrest Center and to other Toronto area community centers. And they were also major donors to the United Way, as well as the Apotex Foundation, his company, had sent over $50 million worth of medicine to disaster zones since 2007. That's pretty nice. And Barry Hmm. personally often loaned money to Apotex employees who needed help. That sounds nice, but then it's like, why don't you pay your employees more? If your employees need help with money, you're not paying them enough. Right. (laughs) So... Like, that all sounds generous. <laughs> but after his death, uh, McLean's, which is like a Canadian news magazine, found that Barry himself, through one of the many companies he controlled, had made large donations to several of the foundations he had set up in his or Apotex's name. And under Canadian tax law, this entitled him to an equivalent tax credit. Oh, interesting. So he had this scheme where he could donate all this money, but he would get like the equal amount of money back in tax credits. Yeah. So like it seemed like it was all in good faith. And so the foundations were then allowed to loan him back money. And they did. And loaning him almost a total of the six million he gave to charity, which is an unusually high amount for Canadian private foundations that loaned out their money. And the leader of a private charity watchdog group said that Barry was using his foundations as a piggy bank. And he called on Parliament to change the law because he was using it. Oh, wow. So like I mentioned earlier, he had a mixed reputation because he was praised for his charitable donations. But a physician who fought him over drug development called him the only person I've ever met with with no redeeming features whatsoever. Holy shit. And a Bloomberg writer reporting on Sherman's death said that some rival drug company execs used unprintable language to describe him. Oh, my God. Unprintable language. Fuck shit, damn piss. Yeah, they for (laughs) sure said the F word. Weenie, jiny. Weenie and jiny. Butthole. (laughs) They said butthole. They called him a big fat butthole. Yeah. Uh, he was called a deplorable human being. What is Piggles doing, Maria? <laughs> is Piggles? She- she's, going- <laughs> she's going. She's digging a hole in your bed. Pickles, stop! Pickles, stop! <laughs> dig- what are you trying to dig? There's that's a that's a bed sheet. Pickles. <laughs> Is there Where a bone? Is there a bone buried underneath your no, bed? She's they do that to, to make it like of... a little hidey hole for themselves to try to create like a little den. <laughs> it's not gonna work because it's a blanket. No, well, she's going underneath the blankets. Look at it. It just looks like a mound. <laughs> what are you doing? She's going under the blankets. God. Dogs are Piggles. perfect. Piggles. <laughs> Uh, Barry was also called a deplorable human being by University of Ottawa law professor who claimed that he gouged Canadians with high drug prices. They said that Canadians pay more for generic drugs than almost every other country. And he sought to manipulate the system to enrich himself and impoverish Canadian patients who use his drugs. He also fought as many as a hundred battles at a time in court to challenge drug patents. Yeah. And by 2016, he had filed over 1,200 lawsuits against the federal government. Oh, my God, bro. Jeez. Yeah, but the company's litigiousness had cost Canadian taxpayers millions of dollars in legal fees. So, like, this was costing taxpayers money to do all, file all these lawsuits. So he was, that that was a bitch move, Barry. (laughs) 
So one of Apotex's lawsuits over the company's application to make a generic version of the antidepressant trazodone took 30 years. Asher's on that. Your dog's on really trazodone? Yeah, but doggy trazodone. Really? But only when he gets anxious. He takes a quarter of a trazodone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, good for Asher. I'm glad he's addressing his <laughs> mental health. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this generic version, uh, this whole thing was, it took 30 years until the Federal Court of Appeal ruled that the government had mishandled it. So this lawsuit, it took 30 years. Like, Barry didn't drop the lawsuit. Oh, my God. Like, what that's a crazy how, man. That's how obnoxious he was. And so Barry himself once told employees that Apotex was primarily a legal company that sold medications on the side. <laughs> like he even said for himself, he's like, we're more of a legal company. God. God. And so after his death, McLean's bro, he was a billionaire driven to litigation less by money than something more primal, a sense of righteous certitude that propelled him to prevail at any cost. So they're saying he was just a psychopath who loved to sue. <laughs> and in the 90s, the company began making its own brand of drugs. One of them was Daferoprone, which is a potential treatment for the blood disorder Thalassema. The trials were overseen by a hematologist. In 1998, this hematologist had serious concerns whether the drug was effective or safe, so she broke a confidenti confidentiality agreement with Apotex to publish her concerns. And then Apotex responded by attempting to damage her reputation and sue her. Oh, my God. But the University of Toronto took Apotex's side because Barry had just donated $20 million to the college. That's so fucked. They're like, sorry, we have to take Barry's side because he's giving us money. And then they also fired Nancy, the hematologist. And this incident helped inspire the novel The Constant Gardener. No Okay, way. now you're speaking okay. my language. I thought you guys would like that. All right. So that movie wasn't about gardening? <laughs> I, I never saw it. I, just I didn't see it either. It. Wasn't that movie like four hours long, though? Isn't that like the takeaway from that movie? Oh, I don't know. A British diplomat relocates to Kenya when Tessa's found murder in the wilderness. How does that even relate to weird? Is it with Ray Fiennes? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it inspired the novel. Does it have runtime? Does it say how long it is? What, two hours and nine minutes. <laughs> so it's not that long for movies now, but I feel like it, it, at the time, they people complained it was super long. And it, movies shouldn't be yeah. over two hours. They should be an hour no. 45. Yeah. Even Titanic? No, that's an exception. <laughs> okay. That is the I exception. just wanted to make sure. So in 1996, the Sherman's North York home was completed after five years of construction, but they were dissatisfied with the work done on it. Mm. In particular, they claimed that the garage, which is a structure with a tennis court on top and a basement lap pool in the hot tub, were faulty. And Barry called it a disaster. And he and his wife filed 12 lawsuits against the contractors because they be suing. Embarrassing. They be suing. They ended up winning almost the entire $2.3 million cost of the building. Oh, my God. Through favorable judgments. So they they won. They sue, they win. They got Jesus. a free house out of it, wow. pretty much. Crazy. So what happened to these four cousins? Remember the four children that yeah. were left behind? So in 2011, the four winter children sued Sherman, alleging that he never paid royalties from their dad's company, and the cousins wanted a 20% interest in Apotex or damages of $1 billion. And Barry responded by withdrawing millions of dollars in financial assistance to his cousins. So he was giving the cousins money already, like he was giving them money, but probably not nearly as much as they would make if they had that 5% yeah. in their dad's company. So the cousins said that Barry had offered the financial assistance in the first place in order to make the cousins dependent on him and to keep them from learning about their rights to the business. Oh, shit. So he was just trying to, like, shut them up. Like, here, take this money. Don't sue me. Whatever. It's fine. But in September 2017, they ruled against the cousins. Oh, my God. So they, didn't, they didn't win. And at the time of the judgment, a lawyer for the cousins said they would appeal, though no appeal occurred, and Barry... Ended up dying a few months later. Ooh. So, in 2017, 
the Shermans decided to sell their longtime home on Old Colony Road in North York and moved to a new one they were building in Forest Hill, which is closer to downtown Toronto. This new house was 16,000 square feet. Oh my God, that's insane. Had a central swimming pool with a 41-foot retractable skylight and living quarters for staff. What? That's such a good idea for a pool is to have it inside, but then you can, it's retractable. That is pretty sick. So they put the North York home on the market asking almost $7 million. And on December 12th, Honey missed a meeting of the Baycrest Center Foundation Board without notifying them beforehand, which was unusual for her. And so they reached her by email and she replied saying she was, quote unquote, dealing with some stuff. That's all she said. And the next day, the couple met at Apotex headquarters late in the afternoon, where they went over some design changes to the new house and Barry's office. And Honey was planning to leave for a holiday vacation in Miami a few days later. And Barry was going to join her a week later. But it was the last time they were seen alive. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, let's. this is a good time to take a break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's take a moment. Oh, yeah. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, videos a day early, uh, shout outs, as well as ad free episodes. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five star review, we will read it on our mailbag episodes. Also, Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. It's really been popping off and we get tons of messages. So please leave us a voicemail and we will play it on our mailbag episodes. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And we're back. <laughs> so later that evening, after returning home, Sherman sent his Apotex staff a routine email about a drug the company was developing. He didn't call anyone during that night, which they said was unusual because he frequently suffered from insomnia. Apparently, Ooh. he would just be calling people all night. Uh, no thanks. Hard pass day, on that. Yeah, no thanks. The next day, he didn't show up at Apotex. And again, this was out of the ordinary for him. And then the next morning, December 15th, neither Barry nor Honey was expected to be at home in the morning. And the cleaning staff had already let themselves in with a recently installed lockbox when a pair of real estate agents arrived around mid-morning with a couple interested in the property. Interesting. After showing them around the main story, the agents took the couple downstairs to the lap pool in the hot tub. They're like... Yes, come along. This house is for sale. This is a lovely house. There's a nice pool in the basement. Oh, no. 
But then when they got, <laughs> they they were uh, they got to the basement or where the pool was, they discovered on the floor next to the pool, Barry and Honey's bodies. Oof. Both of, uh, could you imagine uh, looking at a house no. for sale? The agent's like, and there's a beautiful <laughs> staircase which leads down to the pool, and then there's two dead bodies. Yeah, that's a bad house showing. That's a bad house showing. <laughs> yeah. You might have to quit after that. So both of their necks were tied with leather belts to a metal railing, which was slightly over a meter high around the pool. Barry was seated, his legs crossed on the pool deck. Honey was on her side with a bruise on her face, and coats were pulled down over their shoulders, restraining their arms. What? And they were facing away from the water and fully clothed. And Honey's cell phone was found in a bathroom that, according to friends, she never used, suggesting that she might have gone there in an attempt to get help, but was overpowered in the process. Like, there was a bathroom she never really went into. Huh. Similarly, Barry's gloves, as well as paperwork related to an inspection of the house, were left on the floor just outside of the garage on the way to the basement pool. And a window had been left open to allow a recently painted room to air out, and a basement door was unlocked. So as apparently the Shermans frequently left it unlocked. Someone who may have known this, as well as the interior layout of the house, may have been able to escape through a neighboring backyard after the crime. So the investigation. So the police were called and their deaths were treated as suspicious. Yeah, you think? Postmortem. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Postmortem examinations show the cause of both deaths was ligature neck compression which is ligature strangulation caused by binding or tying. And Toronto police had previously told the news media that there was no indication of forced entry into the Sherman home and that the investigation did not include a search for any suspects. Although there was no note left by the deceased, police sources told the Toronto Star on December 15th that they were, quote-unquote, probing the possibility that they were a murder-suicide. And so the Sherman children mm, I don't see it. issued a statement urging the police to conduct a thorough criminal investigation and chastise the police for leaking a murder-suicide theory. And they also contacted Toronto lawyer Brian Greenspan to get a private investigator to look into the deaths. And on January 26, 2018, uh, the Toronto police said their investigation concluded that the couple had been killed in a targeted attack. Yeah, for sure. And at the time... They would not discuss any possible suspects, but planned to interview everyone who had access to the home prior to the deaths via the lockbox that was previously installed by the real estate agent. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But can I just say this? Yeah. Yes. If the real estate agent had anything to do with it, God forbid, they wouldn't have taken the people on the house tour. Or Or it makes her seem not culpable. Right. If she's like, oh, my God, there's okay, a dead that's body. that's smart. That's why. Okay, yeah, that's so smart. That's so smart. Okay. Like, oh, dead body. What's that? Oh, what's that doing here? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, that's. <laughs> why well, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> why did the house stager put that there? <laughs> yeah. Somebody called the police. That's weird. <laughs> I wouldn't have brought you two here if I knew that was here. <laughs> oh, oops. Oh, God. Sorry. In late October 2018, uh, the lawyer, Brian Greenspan, announced that the family had offered a $10 million reward in the couple's homicide investigation for any information that led to an arrest. Huh. And at the time, he complained about the police investigation, claiming that it had failed to collect important evidence. What else is new? Seriously, the police are fucked. God. By October 2018, the police had obtained 37 warrants related to the investigation and on April 25th, 2019, the Toronto police said they had a working theory of the case and an idea of what happened. Well, what is it? And so in 2019, the private investigators had revised their timeline of the case. Hmm. So while previous statements had suggested the police believe the couple had been killed early on December 15th, they now said the murders had occurred two days earlier within hours of the Shermans returning home on the night of the 13th. So they Ooh. think they might have been dead for a couple of days. 
no suspects or persons of interest have as yet been publicly identified. Really? It's crazy that you can still get away with murder. It's crazy. But that has not stopped speculation about who might have been responsible. Yeah, who done it? Yeah, who done it? Particularly given Sherman's many business associates with criminal records and those who had been angered by his actions. Like, well, also, he sued like 5,000 people. Yeah, 1,200 lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> like, it could be anyone. So he himself had acknowledged that an attempt could be made on his life. He once said, for a thousand bucks paid to the right person, you can probably get someone killed. He told Jeffrey Robinson. A thousand bucks? In an interview for his book. Yeah, I honestly think it's pretty cheap to kill someone. Yeah. Perhaps I'm surprised that hasn't happened. It's what he said. Could it perhaps be one of the cousins, Carrie Winter? So at the time of the homicides, Barry had just won a ruling that the Winters, the cousins, owed him $300,000 in legal fees for the lawsuit because they lost the lawsuit. It was dismissed. Oh, fuck that. They tried to sue him for the uncle's company. At the time, when was that? It was three months earlier. That's mess. That the cousin's lawsuit happened. So two months after the bodies were found, Barry's cousin, Carrie Winter, appeared on the CBC show, The Fifth Estate, confessing that he had fantasized about killing his cousin, even though he denies being the actual culprit. Here's the thing. I feel like if you were guilty, you wouldn't say that. Or is that a great thing to say if you're guilty? I don't know. This interview. I don't think it's a good thing to say if you're guilty. Yeah. But it, it throws people crazy. off. It throws you off. Well, I know. But in, I mean, think of, well, there's, I found the interview. Because he lives alone. He doesn't have an alibi for that entire Wednesday night. No alibi. Wednesday night, I went to my Cocaine Anonymous meeting. I came home. <laughs> as I usually do, watch some Netflix. <laughs> eat some Doritos. Fall asleep. <laughs> Thursday night, same thing, went to work. Very easily for me to have left work at any time because I'm not on the clock. I'm a site supervisor. I can get in my car. I can take a three-hour break during the day. I could easily have driven over to Colony and done the deed. I admit to that. But I didn't. I didn't. And that's He's why innocent. Did he say he, he went to his really cocaine, cocaine anonymous, anonymous meeting and then went home and ate some Doritos? Yeah. Who is he, me? Yeah, while watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Is he hot? What's his name? <laughs> There's another. You know, sorry, my Bluetooth. There's another video from this. This whole interview is hilarious. I mean, I had opportunity. I had motive. I can see why the police might say this guy's also oh, fucking God. And he confessed to us he had indeed fantasized about killing Barry Sherman. Like I would no. talk about killing Barry, and it was very graphic. The way I was going to do it wouldn't have been felt. What it was an be idiot! In the Apotex parking lot, that was my vision always. Then he'd come out of the building in Apotex, and I'd be hiding behind a car, and I just decapitate him. I wanted to roll his head down the parking lot, and I just sit there waiting for the police. With such. Like I love that guy. What, what are you doing? What an idiot! What are you doing? I think he's innocent. <laughs> so he's probably single. I think he is single. Yeah, I bet you. He I wanted to roll my head like a bowling ball. <laughs> it's like when OJ wrote that book that was like, "If I had done it, this is how I would have done it." Oh God! Crazy. Cocaine Anonymous meeting. That actually, night. you know what? To be honest, I actually think he's guilty. Here's why. Um, I've changed my mind. OJ or at- Carrie? <laughs> no, well, yeah, OJ's definitely guilty. But that guy, the I, guy, know, that- I actually think OJ's guilty. <laughs> think now that I think guilty. about it, <laughs> um, no, that guy whose interviews we were just listening to. Here we, here's why: addicts are great liars, and they've spent their mm. whole entire life lying. And right. so I think he's mm. probably used to lying and uh, used to manipulation and used to being kind of like a bit of a con artist. So I think in his head, he's probably like, if I talk about how I wanted to kill him and how I would do it, people would be like, an innocent person would, I mean, a guilty person would never talk that much in detail about killing someone and how they could do it. So I bet he probably did do it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess you guys are broken up. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, we need to take some space, I think. I just need to think (laughs) about some things for a little bit. 
he also <laughs> said in that interview that Barry had asked him twice to kill his wife, Honey, two decades ago. So, like, he what? claimed that Barry was like, yeah, well, he asked me to kill Honey two decades ago. So, like, well, he was making a, a, lot of, a lot of wild claims in that interview. But you never know. Seems like he maybe fell off the wagon. Yeah, in that interview, he seemed a little... <laughs> Snorting a little that yay. Into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Frank D'Angelo was also mentioned as possibly having a motive to kill Sherman, Barry Sherman. Huh. Because they had a long history between the two. Frank was, you know, had a checkered legal history. And in his interview with Bloomberg, he said the worst thing that could have happened to Frank D'Angelo is Barry dying and expressed regret that he had not been able to save a man he regarded as a close friend. He believed that somebody came to make Barry an offer he couldn't refuse and he refused. So Frank D'Angelo um, apparently was great at karate. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> guilty, right? Hold on, I'll send you. I'll send <laughs> He's you. Close. He's close. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a he was a karate champion. Google Frank D'Angelo. This Frank D'Angelo, he is a jack of all trades, right? He's, he he really had a juice is. company. He's a director. Do you think he was really good at karate? <laughs> Or do you think <laughs> look at he this. just said he did karate? No, look, I'm sending you photos. <laughs> karate was so 90s, like being good at karate. Yeah, karate kid. <laughs> he was he was Kyoshi, Kyoshi Frank D'Angelo. I think he was big in his dojo. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> he's in class with a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> he's just beating up the kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a picture of him with a bunch of kids. <laughs> I don't know if I would see Frank killing him because Barry was the one who was giving Frank all this money despite like Frank having this checkered path. Like Frank was Barry's boy. Like they were boys. Like they. There are literally so many pictures of Frank D'Angelo doing karate. That is so weird. <laughs> I wonder if this is the same Frank D'Angelo or if there's another one, but it looks kind of like him, right? I bet it was him. Although these, well, yeah, back in the 70s, 80s. I mean, just something to think about, that he just was great at karate. Yeah. Have you watched the Karate Kid with Hilary Swank yet? Karate Kid with Hilary Swank? Hilary Swank is in Karate the, yeah, Kid? Which the one? The newest one, right? Or the... The one, I think it's three or four. It's the new Karate Kid. It's so good. It's crazy. No. Oh, yeah. I used to watch it all the time. And if you like the first one, you're going to love when Hilary Swank... Starts to learn karate. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. I, I ate up that TV show they did. Cobra Kai. It's all great. It's all it's all uh, karate. Karate Kid entertainment is worth it. It really is. I love Karate Kid. Anyway, sorry to digress. Another suspect uh, could be their children. Mm. So there are several reports that Barry and Honey discuss the idea of joining a foundation in which billionaires gave away the majority of their wealth when they die. Ooh. This foundation was created and backed by Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And so Honey had made arrangements to make changes to her will just weeks before her death. Uh-oh. And mm, that's mm, always a red mm-hmm. flag. And no will has been found since the death. Oh, that's There's no weird. will. They don't know what happened to it. So maybe the children were upset that they were planning on donating all most of their wealth to like this foundation. There's yeah, I'm sure. They're like, over my dead body, right? <laughs> no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jonathan, uh, one of their sons, had recently asked his father for $250 million to fund a building project in Cottage Country, but what? Barry did not like the idea and turned him down. So Barry was like, no, son, okay. you cannot have $250 million. It's a lot of money. And Barry was continued to invest in Frank D'Angelo, which pissed off Jonathan. Jonathan sent email to one of his sisters saying that Barry was jeopardizing their inheritance by making risky investments and it was time for something to be done. So Jonathan was like, dad keeps giving money to Frank and it's fucking up our inheritance. I mean, that's, that's, I get it. Fair. That's like how um, Alec Baldwin keeps having children and like (laughs) the other children must be like, Oh yeah, with, that with must Hilar- be with Hilaria because they have what five kids, 
The other kids are like, they God do. Damn it, we have to share our inheritance with these fucking. Five oh my God, that's kids. so fucked. Yeah. Uh, in the book, The Billionaire Murders, the author speaks of how Jonathan and Honey hated each other. Like Jonathan and his mom, Honey, apparently didn't like each other. Really? And the killer got in undetected and knew that both Honey and Barry would both be home on Wednesday night with it, which is extremely rare that they were home like at the same time on a Wednesday night. So the killer must have known their schedule. Yeah. So it was like friend friend or family or or someone who's employed by them and lives in like the servant quarters. Yeah. And it was the servant in the servant quarters with the... Yeah, it was, it was with the, the butler rope. with the candlestick. The yeah. <laughs> it was the butler in the pool room with the retractable ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> so Barry was ambushed just as he walked in from the garage, which is underground. And Honey mm. was ambushed as soon as she walked in from a side door. And the house apparently had nine entrances. So that must mean the killer were familiar with the entrances in which the victims would use and where they parked their car. Like they knew where, what doors they walked in. They knew like, yeah, they knew, they knew, they knew. So perhaps someone didn't want to lose three hundred three billion dollars to charity, which would have happened if Barry and Honey had lived long enough to sign up for Bill Gates charity thing. So this company, Apotex, they have fired Barry's best friend and longtime partner under Jonathan's command, under their son's command. So when Jonathan took over Apotex, he fired Barry's friend who was there. And he sold off large sections of the company, including Florida real estate intended for an expansion, expansion plan. So the son is like selling off all of this, like selling off the company to get money. Well, the son did it. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) And also, when the murders took place, the Toronto Police Department were busy with this other serial killer case of Bruce MacArthur. So they're claiming that, like, the Toronto Police did not put their full effort behind investigating. That's why they're like, well, it was a murder-suicide. And everyone's like, no, police department, it was not a murder-suicide. Well, also, maybe they just didn't like Barry that much and didn't, like, care, really, because yeah. he was always suing everyone. It was kind of mm-hmm. just like a nuisance. So they were just like, whatever, uh-huh, he's dead. Yeah. No skin off our back. True. And so as of November 25th, 2020, the Toronto police said they had identified a person of interest, but then two days later clarified that it could be one person or multiple people. Oh. And that's the last update they have from what two three months ago oh shit they have a person of interest so it might this case might be updated at some point i think it's the kids that seems likely or the cousin carrie winter i don't know it's one of those two who was in the will who was who did she update to be in the will well the will they couldn't find it they said the will was not located they were planning on changing it hmm Uh, Or Honey had made arrangements to make changes to her will just weeks before her death, which was confirmed by her lawyer. Right, right, right. So I don't think she changed it. They were going to change it to donate all their money to this, like, huge foundation. And so I think someone who was upset about that maybe stopped them. Yeah. That's why I think it could have been the... Just saying. 100%. Yeah. I'm not saying it's just going to be the sun. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's probably the sun. Um, so if you live in Canada, if you're from Canada and you were around like the time of this case and you remember anything about it or, you know, like have any insight. If you were a witness, you know. If you're a witness or if you know any of these people, um, please call in and let us know. Um, my friend Ingrid, I remember her saying like, this was like the hugest deal there. Yeah. Melissa, if people want to reach us, where can they find us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. So do that. Um, anyways, I am uh, Allie uh, Siegel. <laughs> and i'm melissa so sue me Stetton. <laughs> yeah. and i'm maria real estate surprise Blasucci. <laughs> that's a good one oops <laughs> what a surprise <laughs> bye bye
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.